Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Couch of Sports podcast. Uh, we've been gone a long time. We've been gone for a long, long, long time between work, uh, friends, just summer activities. Um, you know, in the summer's a, a good time to kind of, I guess, take a little time off because there's not a lot going on, not a lot of sports besides baseball, which, you know, we're kind of getting into, but there's just not a lot of news because it's fucking baseball. Um, but thankfully, we've had some headlines come out in the past couple of days that, that are pretty interesting. Um, boys, I'm here. I'm joined by Jordan and Max uh, from the Lovecast. Boys, how are we doing? Good. Doing so well. I completely introduce you guys. Uh, that's, that's on me. Bad hosting. Uh, Feig is in New York City. I think he's going to the Subway Series. I don't know if he's there tonight or if he's going tomorrow. Pretty sure he's going tomorrow. So that's pretty sick for Feig. So if you're going to the Yankees game tomorrow, uh, look out for Feig, a wild Feig. Um, <laughs> he'll, be, <laughs> he'll probably be with Pop. Um, but let's get into uh, our first headline. Uh, Usman's KO. Usman got knocked the fuck oh. out after dominating the fight. Uh, I'm going to let our uh, UFC analyst, Max Lebelzik, take this uh, and All right. go with it for as long as he wants. Yeah, so I'm just going to give you guys kind of a overview of what like what this knockout means for the UFC community and why it was so important. Because I think what gets lost in the headlines is how unex- one, how unexpected this knockout is, and two, how much Usman deserved it. Because I am personally an Usman hater. Um, just a little background. Um, if you check out MMA Guru's video and More Plates, More Dates video on Kamaru Usman, basically there's a ton of evidence that he is this what they call the CEO of EPO. He's a roid head. Um, he uses a lot of PEDs. Basically, his father is um, a pharmacist, uh, considered a corrupt pharmacist. Um, he has back knee and belly acne, and he has what's called gynecomastia. Oh, 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 back yeah, knee. Yeah, and he's in his 30s. Good. So usually, yeah, usually you get rid of that when you're like, I don't know, 15. But he's in his <laughs> 30s, and he still has it. Um, he also has gyno formation around your nipples, which is a sign of testosterone usage and PED usage. And if you just look at his um, physique in general and his recovery, he just recently broke his hand. He's already in fighting uh, shape. Um, he just recovers extremely quickly, and his physique is just otherworldly compared to all the other otherworldly physiques within the UFC. So hold on, so hold on. So how the fuck can he do that? Don't don't they test so, for all that shit? So you saw to um, test for that, correct? Um, if you cycle correctly, you can get off your like. So let's be realistic. Everyone in the UFC is probably on PEDs, but his usage, essentially, if you're Dana White's buddy, you kind of get a little bit more leniency on testing uh, and stuff like that. And he's sort of Dana White's main man, not main man, but he's one of the faces. Uh, he fights at the welterweight. He is widely considered before this knockout. He was widely considered the pound for pound best fighter in the UFC, which means uh, of all the weight classes. He is considered the best fighter out of all of them. Um, he came into this fight 16-0, and 0, and he had never been knocked out. Um, Leon Edwards, on the other hand, he had fought Usman a couple of fights, or well, like 11 fights ago, and Usman handled him pretty well. And uh, Leon Edwards would have to go on and win 10 fights in a row to even come back to get, to get this fight. Um, Leon is a very soft-spoken, um, down-to-earth guy. He's from... England by way of Jamaica. He, you know, had a rough childhood growing up. He, um, he really deserved this. Even when he got his wins, everyone would kind of like question his wins. He got a win in his hometown and they booed him. So he really just, you know, was an underdog going into this at, at, at the, I believe at the start of the fight, he was a plus 1300 underdog going into oh, it. Jesus. 
Yeah. Um, or maybe going into that round, he was at, there was times where you could get him at a plus 1300 underdog. Um, so going into the fight, um, the first round, Leon Edwards was able to take him down, which had never happened before. So Kamaru doesn't even lose rounds, right? So he wins 16 in a row, but he doesn't even lose rounds. Like he doesn't lose in a five round uh, fight. He'll win every single round and then win via knockout or decision, stuff like that, which is just unheard of. Um, he ended up losing the first round, Usman did. Leon took him down, which is he had never been taken down before. Um, and yeah, that was about it. But then for the next four rounds up until the KO, Leon looked completely defeated. Usman took him down multiple times. He was catching him with some good shots. Uh, Leon was not really throwing anything. He just wasn't really doing too much. Um, in between the rounds, Usman would like... So Leon would turn around and walk to his corner, and Usman would follow him and stare him down, look him in the face. And uh, before this fight, Usman was being kind of a cock. You know, He was just t- talking a lot of shit. He was talking about fighting at 205... Uh, which would be like gaining like 50 pounds and fighting Canelo Alvarez, who's the best pound for pound boxer. Um, yeah, he, was talking about fighting he would Canelo. get his fucking ass whooped. He would. Um, he just was talking a lot of shit. He was looking past um, Leon. He, I believe he's in, the, Usman is in the new Black Panther 2 movie. So oftentimes with fighters, when they get movie roles, uh, when they're real big, they kind of get, stay away from the training. They have other stuff going on. They kind of lose sight of what's important. Usman really, um, you know, just was quiet. He he. I mean, he talked a little bit of shit, but nothing crazy. You mean uh, you mean Leon? Leon was quiet. Leon, yeah, Leon was yeah. Leon was quiet. He talked a little bit of shit, but nothing crazy. He really, really was. You know, you could tell he was really locked in. But those two through rounds two through five up until that knockout, Leon looked broken. He wouldn't look at his corner in the eye. He had his head down, which is really unheard of. Usually, those guys are engaged. They're looking at each other in the eyes, talking to their yeah, coach. Yeah, I saw some clips of him like putting his arms up on the cage, like yeah. basically just saying, "I'm fucking exhausted, gassed." Yes, and when he would get in the round, so Usman is tradi- or not Usman. Leon is traditionally a striker. Usman is traditionally a wrestler, although he's Usman's proficient in both areas. Leon is a striker at heart. When he was getting in, he wasn't striking, even though he was catching Usman when he did strike. Um, the fifth round rolls around and I'm just pissed because I'm like, this is going to be another Usman decision. He, he handled him. There's, it's just going to be another boring Usman decision and he's going to go fight Kamzat. Well, as Joe Rogan is saying, Joe Rogan basically says, I think for Leon, him not getting knocked out is a moral victory. Him just losing via decision is going to be a moral victory for him. And then John Anik, the other announcer says, it just seems weird. Cause that's not the, the fire or the cloth that uh, Leon is cut from. As he says that, Leon, who fights Southpaw, throws a left jab that Usman goes and try- and moves his head to the left to counter. When he moves that left, uh, when he moves his head to the left, Leon throws a leg kick and catches him right in the dome and knocks him out cold with fifty seconds, six seconds left in the fight and wins the fight and wins I the mean- title. If you insane. haven't seen this clip, if you haven't seen this clip, you have to go fucking look it up. I mean, he got fucking knocked out cold. The thing was cold. too, um, he knew immediately. Like he hit Usman in the face, yep. and usually, like you see UFC guys try to fucking you know pound yeah, the head a couple fist. times before they get fucking called off. But I mean, he landed that leg kick to the fucking dome and just still like just walked away. He was like, "It's fucking over." Ended yep. up jumping the cage. Joe Rogan's reactions are always fucking unbelievable. Um, he he's like the best. Has the best reactions in sports. I oh think. yeah. I mean, and, it's um, not even a question. And this was widely considered by, I believe, so I heard Ariel Hawani. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's like the biggest report. He's kind of like the Stephen A. Smith of basketball, but 
he's not like not personality wise just in terms of notoriety like Ariel Hawani is probably the most famous reporter for UFC if not the most famous reporter for UFC everyone knows him he made the sport what it is or helped make the sport what it is he said this is the most shocking moment in UFC history Joe Rogan mentioned it being one of the most shocking moments if not the most shocking moment in UFC history it's widely considered the most shocking moment in UFC history. Is it? Is it widely considered the most shocking moment in UFC history? It is widely considered. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, put this, you know, for people who don't watch the UFC, I mean, it's just like the 96 Bulls getting swept in the first round. Like, what are we talking? I'll be honest with you, I have no fucking clue because I wasn't born. Um, but I, I would say, I would say it would be like, I'll put it in, a, it would be like, um, how do I explain? It would be like a huge underdog. Team. It'd be like the Jets beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl kind of thing. Yes, not in the Super Bowl, just yes. in the playoffs. Just the yes. Jets beating the in Super the... Bowl in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. It would be something like that, where just a huge underdog came back. It would be like if the Jets won, like if the if the Chiefs were up like fifty six nothing, and then the Jets came back, the Jets came back and won with the last three seconds of the Dude, game. That would probably be widely considered the most, of, the, the, yeah, biggest, the, the most biggest, yeah, biggest moment. Yeah, the thing is in UFC, like, there's no other sport like it where literally one kick, one punch can just change the outcome of the yeah. fight. Um, you know, in sports, it's you know one, you know, basketball one shot, football one play, but you know, most sports it's always like a build up of stuff. But you know, you don't get the one punch knockout in the first quarter or the second quarter of any sport besides UFC. So I think that's why yeah. it's it's so fun to watch and so engaging, and it didn't happen until the fifth round. So like, if you were watching on the East Coast, staying up late for it. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, you know, you've in the fourth round, you're like, all right, Usman's got this in the bag. You go fucking go to bed, wake up and realize you got his fucking shit smacked. Um, that's kind of fun. That's entertaining. And that's why you that's why you watch UFC. Yeah. And I think that's why it was considered the most surprising moment in UFC history. In honestly. UFC history. All right. All right. Uh, moving on from UFC, because that was that was fucking crazy. Um, a new story came out uh, the other day. I believe it was either yesterday or the day before about Brady and Gronk. In 2020, Joe Rogan, UFC guy, brokered mm-hmm. the deal pretty much for Dana White. Or sorry, not Joe Rogan, Dana White. Sorry, Dana White basically brokered a deal for Brady and Gronk to go to the Raiders. Gruden said no. Jordan, why the fuck would Gruden ever decline? Is it just an ego thing with him? I don't. I didn't read much of this story or hear much about the story. I don't know why Gruden would say no. Uh, Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe he really believed in Derek Carr. Uh, I I guess Brady didn't have his best year in 2019, so maybe you know, which is totally true. But we also he was throwing to fucking nobody. Yeah, but like so many people are, you know, you got the Max Kellerman falling off the cliff theory. Maybe Gruden was on that train. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. What do you think? I think it's just funny because after that whole news happened, there was talks about Brady going to some other team. We just never knew which team that was in 2020 and now we know it was the Raiders and I think there's there's a quote or a tweet or something from Tom Brady it was definitely wasn't a tweet I think it was a quote where he was like you're sticking with that or they're sticking with that motherfucker or something like that and now we know that it's in reference to Derek Carr so I think it's partially um Gruden believing that Derek Carr was the guy and I honestly think that Derek Carr still be still could be a very very good quarterback uh, especially the issue with all the weapons that he has but at the time, I don't. I think it's kind of crazy that you would ever pick Derek Carr over Tom Brady. But Gruden is known for kind of being just a, you know, having an ego and having a kind of a big head. So I'm not shocked that it would be an ego thing. You know, spotlight would be off of him and more on Brady and Gronk, gratefully so. Um, and you know, and Gruden just got paid too at the time. I think he got paid a fucking ten year, hundred million dollar deal, uh, before he had to resign for all that shit. So 
I mean, you're nuts to ever decline Brady on your football team. I mean, Gruden's not the most logical guy, too. I mean, with, you know, dropping the hard R's and being a racist and sexist on the emails, I'm not sure, you know, he was probably he's not he's not a great decision maker. So honestly, really, if there was one person in the NFL who would make such a god awful decision in terms of denying Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski access to their football team, uh, it would be John Gruden. So it, yeah. at this point, like, nothing really surprises me with him. The funny thing is now, imagine if that actually happened and then Josh McDaniels left and became the <laughs> Raiders head yeah, coach. Yeah, that's what I was like. Imagine fucking Josh McDaniels and Brady on a fucking team together. Like, that. that's that's unbelievable. Um, but it nevertheless didn't happen. We still are stuck with Derek Carr. They're still stuck with Derek Carr. Brady's still on. I don't Bucks. think, like being stuck with Derek Carr, like Derek Carr is a very good player, which oh, is I like, agree. Like if you're Gruden and like you want to believe in your guy, um, like he's a franchise quarterback. He's just not Tom Brady. So I don't know. It's weird. I agree. I agree. Um, But honestly, I'm tired of hearing about all this Brady shit. Tired of hearing about <laughs> Brady leaving the team for two weeks or three weeks. And then I guess the masked singer tweeted out something about him going on the masked singer. Or something like that. I saw a tweet. Um, the Masked Singer reportedly said that Brady was coming on their show during his two-week break. Huh? Let's hear those pipes. I'm excited to hear him I sing. don't think it's true. I just think the Masked Singer is trying to get publicity because that show fucking is horrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, honestly, like, dude, I'm tired of hearing about these Brady, Brady headlines. Brady leaving the team. And then you see Brady and Giselle headed for an $800 million divorce. And you're like, just, just. Like, just play football, dude. Like, no one fucking cares. But it's just it's just bullshit news to fill up the time when there's no sports on, um, which is kind of just all the summer is in general. And speaking of more bullshit news, uh, the Grizzlies have now entered trade talks for Kevin Durant. I still don't think Kevin Durant's going to get traded by the end of the season or by the time the season comes around. I mean, but do you guys think he'll be a net? I mean, I don't think he's going to play, but will he be a net? He's got it. I don't. I think he starts the season with the Nets. I don't know. Maybe December. Do you think um, he plays? Yeah, I think KD likes basketball too much to not play. He's always been like, I'm more about. He's like, he always has said, I'm not a. I'm a hooper, and he's been one to always talk about that. That's all he wants to do is play basketball. Um, I think he. I mean, he has no other option. He's under contract, so he has to play if they don't trade him. Um, the thing with the NBA is, you never know who's going to be available in December. It's a whole different landscape by then. Um, maybe those deals become a little bit more or just more enticing to the Nets. Um, maybe one team figures that they're closer to contention than they actually thought, and they're just kind of one piece away. Or maybe one team just has a better offer to make to the Nets by then, which is probably going to happen. So my guess would be around December, um, mid of, you know, around the end of this year, he'll be moved, um, if at all. Yeah, I, I don't think KD is going anywhere. I think the Nets basically called his bluff. And like he he has four years left on his deal. If he had one year left, uh, I think it's very different story, obviously. But like when you have four years left, you have very little leverage, even if you're Kevin Durant. So I think he's gonna stay with the Nets, and I think he's gonna play like Max said. I don't see Kevin Durant sitting out for a season or however long it would take because I don't see the Nets trading him if he decides to sit out. And if if they don't trade him by the start of the season. Katie's going to look around and be like, all right, Kyrie's still here. Ben Simmons is here. Seth Curry's here. Like, we have a, we have a good team. I, I need Joe to Harris just, coming back. Yeah, Joe yeah. Harris is coming back. Like, um, Katie's look around Katie- and say, I need to just fucking suck it up and play. 
yeah, you got TJ Warren coming off the bench too. He's a good pick. Um, I just saw bubble that- bubble icon, by the way. That bubble. guy, when he went to the bubble, I mean, Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. he was he was actually Jesus Christ in the bubble. He, he just broke a couple of feet and he was and that's that was all. That was all it was. Um, but the thing is, I saw the Grizzlies deal is basically it's a deal centered around essentially Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, and Zaire Williams, which they can get better than that, I would imagine. Jaron Jackson, as good as he is, he is extremely injury prone and he has some issues with um, I believe rebounding was his main issue. He's a um, perimeter, he's a perimeter bigot. Yeah. Six eleven, six ten, however fucking tall he is. With horrific injury history. Dylan Brooks is good, but he's not he's overrated. I mean, and I agree. Over, yeah, like he's overrated in terms of he's good. He's kind of like um uh, like Grant Williams or Marcus Smart, like they're really good for the Celtics, but I don't know how good they would be on other teams. I think Marcus Smart's a better comparison than yeah, Grant Marcus, Williams for fucking Grant, Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I agree with that. Just because of the alligator arms, really. Um, they both have really <laughs> short arms. Um, and then Zaire Williams, who's who's a good, solid young player, but he hasn't really shown too too much. He was the tenth pick in the twenty twenty one draft. He's still very very young. Um, if the Nets are denying a Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown trade. I don't see how they take a Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, and Zaire Williams. I trade. still don't think the Celtics offered him that. I think that I was think- just I think that was just rumor mill. I think the Nets are just trying to stir up shit. But what you know, the news came out when we were on our break, I guess you could say that KD now wants Nash fired and he wants basically everybody that he brought in fired. Um after it didn't work out. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, the player empowerment era um is something that we've just seen more and more of, especially with these big superstars and what they can, they can kind of just decide who they want to play it for and when they want to play, which is, I don't, I'm not a fan of, to be honest, because it's not fun for us to just kind of keep fucking following this Kevin Durant bullshit all summer. Like it, this has been, you know, when the Celtics were involved, it was fun. And now it's just kind of like died out. And now it's like, all right, maybe the Grizzlies are going to get him. Like, no, they're fucking not. They're definitely not going to trade for Kevin Durant. They're not going to get Kevin Durant and John Morant on the same team. Like, that's just not going to happen. So it's like, I'm tired of dealing with this Kevin Durant bullshit. I'm tired of the fucking summer lull. I need I need sports back. Um, and speaking of sports, speaking of sports that matter, we have Fox. We have um, Fox NCAA football, uh, their Saturday crew. They're bringing back Urban Meyer. So if you guys don't remember, Urban Meyer was a Fox reporter on uh, Saturday Countdown or whatever the fuck they call it, Big Big Saturday. I forget what they what the sh- name of the show uh, is, but I think it's Big Saturday. Yeah, Big Saturday on Fox. Yeah, for the before the twelve o'clock game, Urban Meyer would be there, uh, and then obviously he was coach for Jags. Stuck his hand up some twenty one year old skirt and uh, got fired or fired or left or whatever the fuck. And now he's going back on Fox, which I just think is hilarious. I think it's awesome. He also hitting his player. He was like hitting his players too, and like and then uh, didn't know his own team's names. Like and then he asked. Yeah. Was it like Derrick Henry? He asked like some some crazy play, like some very very well known player. He like I think it was Derrick Henry. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, who is that? Yeah, he like just didn't know who Derrick Henry was, and then somebody asked him what coaching in the NFL was like, and I think the direct quote was, "It's like playing Alabama every week," uh, oh, <laughs> which is definitely bad because uh, Alabama was is Alabama and always would beat Ohio State. But I just think it's hilarious that Urban Meyer, uh, who is definitely a really creepy old fuck, is back on the college football scene. I think that's terrifying if Urban Meyer is going to your school. Um, If you're one of these teams that's playing at noon on a Saturday, if you're in Ohio State, uh, if you're one of these big teams playing on a Saturday, 
Like, you, you know, you, you got to be on the lookout for Urban Meyer at these bars, especially if you're an underage girl, because he will probably make an effort to try and touch you. The, Urban, that's just a fact. Come down to, if you come down to Knoxville, buddy, I got a place for you to stay. We can rip or <laughs> oh, put them up. Yeah, listen, I know Fairfield doesn't have a football team, but, you know, we can we can make a football team for a day. The, the countdown has come to, to Tennessee before um, it came before the old Miss game. So and we always we've seen them. I like I've walked past them like because they just kind of hang out on campus. So we can make it happen. Urban. The thing is, dude, with that show, they do it outside in front of all the college kids. There's going to be some amazingly funny comments that, that get caught. There's going to be some the signs. They, oh, like, they do it close, too. Yeah. They do it So it's yep, a little yeah. different than the ESPN show, I think. I think we have to distinct between the two. So the ESPN show is one where they have all the kids in front, um, and they don't do it in the stadium. They do it, like, right outside the stadium. The Fox show, they do on the field, like, in a corner of the stadium. So I think kids, if Urban Meyer is going to be there, kids are going to know to go there early make your signs, scream your comments because something's going to get picked up and it's just going to be a hilarious headline when some kid just screams out like rapist or whatever. It's a really bad move for Fox though. I don't know what made them think this was a good idea, but yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. No, he also just like, doesn't know his X's and O's. So it's just a weird, like you're going to (laughs) want, doesn't know what he's talking about. He's clearly just a mediocre coach. Yeah. And um, also, Last year when uh, they came to Tennessee, one of the commentators was like had been shitting on Tennessee. So he asked for like um, a, like an escort, like a police escort, because he was afraid that he was going to get like too harassed down in Knoxville. Mm. So they're definitely very close. And like, like I said, we saw like I saw them. They were right there. Like college game day was right down there. So if Urban's down there, dude, the signage is going to be insane. Um, I don't know where he's going to get it the worst. Do you guys think it's going to be Ohio State that? shits on him the most or you think they are, he's still beloved there like yeah what? i think they'd still like him uh if there's any school in jacksonville that they go oh. to that's where he would get the shit on the most true 100 like because he just came in for a season and just fucked shit up he just fucked trevor lawrence up bad yep. and fucked actually a 21 year old so he fucked a lot of things in jacksonville Fair. but urban meyer back on uh big noon saturday is the name of the show uh, big, big noon Saturday. Yeah. By the way, we also have college football this weekend. Uh, we have week zero college football games kicking off at noon, and I believe the last game is on the island in Hawaii, 10.30 p.m. Um, you best believe that I'm betting on Hawaii to cover because nobody covers out on the island because it's Hawaii. <laughs> uh, but uh, a couple more things I want to talk about before we get into the NFC West record predictions, uh, which is which are always fun. They're one of, our, one of the favorite segments on this show. Uh, Joe Buck and Aikman on ESPN. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, honestly, like, I I I love those two, but on ESPN on you know a fifteen on Monday, like, I'd rather them at four twenty five on a Fox on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'm fine with like those two are great, so they're gonna be great together. Um, w- whenever they go, but I just am curious to see who's gonna replace them. Uh, that's what I would be more concerned about, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to suck not hearing him, I guess, as often. But, I mean, you're still going to be hearing him. But, yeah, I'm excited to see who's going to replace him as well. Dude, cash is king when it comes to that shit. You, like, the, the Joe Buck deal, I think, was five years and anywhere between 60 and 70 million. That's awesome. So he's, <laughs> yeah, so he's fucking making $60 million over five years for about 17 weeks of work. And, obviously, those guys 
work their fucking asses off. Um, but what's interesting now is he won't be able to call like World Series games or MLB playoffs on Fox like he usually did. Uh, he's been the voice of many iconic MLB moments. So that's from that aspect, it's going to be sad to see him go. And now we have Al Michaels, who's just basically the voice of Sunday Night Football on Thursday Night Football now for Amazon Prime Video. Um, that sucks. Yeah, that that's sucks. Really, that really sucks. Actually, might draw me over to Amazon. I'm not going to lie. It's a really good move. It's going to have to. I mean, it's fucking Al Michaels. And that's the only way you can watch Thursday Night Football games now. They're not even on national television. Mm. Oh, what? Ama- that's- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazon Prime Video now for Thursday Night Football games, which is really yeah, unfortunate. I mean, it just Amazon's just brilliant company. That's really well played. Yeah, uh, yeah Bezos, so- Bezos got that coin. But... Uh, Kevin Burkhart is replacing Joe Buck. Um, don't really know who this guy is. Not excited to find out, but we'll see. <laughs> I we'll see. Uh, I also think I saw Al Michaels is with Kirk Herbstreet on Ooh, Thursday well, Night Football. I think that's what I saw. And Kirk Herbstreet, obviously phenomenal report or ph- phenomenal commentator, uh, for college football games, was the voice of ESPN college football games forever. Um, yeah, big fan of that's his. A- so I think. That's a great combination. Um, but, you know, Chris Collinsworth will always be a meme. He will be. He'll always be a meme. He's a good, he's a great reporter uh, and a great commentator, but he'll always be a meme. He's a meme. He's a meme. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to do NFC West record predictions. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, a lot of exciting teams in this division, so I'm excited to see what the boys have for records. So we will be right back with that. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Um, we're going to do a little rundown of the NFC West. We're going to predict their records and then compare what we have their win totals at against the Vegas lines for their win totals and see if we have any squad rides. We have a bunch so far. We have had a ton of squad rides, which I'm very happy about. It's going to make this season very, very interesting. But let's get into it, Jordan. Why don't you give us your record predictions for the Cards, 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks? All right, Cardinals I have 8 and 9, Rams I have 11 and 6, Niners I have 11 and 6, Seahawks I have 4 and 13. Okay, and I have the Cards at 9 and 8, 49ers at 10 and 7, Rams at 10 and 7, Seahawks 5 and 12. Let's talk about first the Seahawks cuz they're the worst team in this division by far. Let's get them out of the way. Um they just they have Drew Locke. They, they I think yeah. that's all we need to say about the Seahawks. Yeah, well I mean, they still have DK and, and Lockett on offense. I like Rashad Penny in the backfield. I don't hate Drew Locke. It's just they they kind of have a tough schedule. I mean, they're going to be favored. It looks like they're going to be favored in probably four or five games. Yeah, that's what I had them at, too. And they're not going to obviously win every game they're favored in, but they could, uh, you know, pull off an upset, too. But they play a lot of really good teams that I just don't see them having any shot against. Uh, it's just Drew Locke. I mean, it's unfortunate. I don't hate the guy. He's just, uh, you know, he's still young. He's not good enough to compete with the QBs he's going to have to play against. Yeah, he's a really likable quarterback. They also have Noah Fant, who kind of got, um, who kind of got, I guess, overlooked in that deal. Uh, I think part of my take said it best today, where they said that he's better at his position than Drew Locke is at his, which is a hundred percent true, in my opinion. But I'm a huge fan of no fan. Rashad Penny in the backfield is obviously going to be very solid. DK's DK. I just don't know if he's going to get the ball um, because he's going to have Drew Locke throwing it to him. But 
like you said, their schedule's tough. They play a lot of tough teams. Uh, this is honestly a really tough division, and all the teams in the division have really tough schedules. But you know, in a really competitive NFL uh, this year, it's just with a lot of lot a lot of good teams, a lot of talent. Um, you know, even the teams that aren't usually that good are on the upswing, I guess you could say. Like, you know, you see the Jets and they're projected to have a pretty solid year compared to the years past. Um, you know, just a lot of teams that could possibly put up seven, eight wins out of nowhere. So I just don't see the Seahawks getting above five wins, in my opinion. Um, Vegas has their win total at five and a half wins. I'm just not really going to touch that because, you know, it's such a small margin, five or six wins. Yeah, I just I, I don't know much about their defense, um, but I'm just I'm not a Drew Lock believer, and I know their defense isn't like absolutely absurdly good. So let's talk about a key piece of that defense that is now on the Rams. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is a Ram. Uh I think so many people have forgotten that. I have the Rams at 10 and 7 this year, uh, obviously coming off a of Super Bowl. They just have a really tough schedule. Right. I, it's not it's nothing against the Rams. They lost Jordan, you know, was telling me, reminding me before we started recording that they lost OBJ, uh, Robert Woods. <clears throat> but they did bring in Allen Robinson, who I think is going to shine with a quarterback that can actually throw the football. But just their schedule's really fucking tough. Um, and it's just going to be a grind for them all year, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, they have a top five roster in the league. Um, but just a really tough schedule and it's tough to predict injuries when we do this stuff. So we kind of just leave it out there, but I think for them staying healthy is a really big deal. Cause if one of their pieces gets hurt on defense um, and even like say Allen Robinson goes down, that makes them pretty, you know, extremely limited. So yeah. Uh, especially, you know, with the tough schedule that you mentioned, yeah, I have them 11 and six. What's their line? 10 and a half. The line's 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, that line just seems low when you look at their roster, but I, I would stay away from that for sure. A lot of these – I think a lot of these win totals that we have are just correct. I just think that there, there are a lot of right lines. I think a lot of these schedules that we that we see in this division are really grimy and really tough, so it's not like I don't think there are really any crazy missed lines, uh, but we can be the judge of that after we've gone through them all. Let's move on to the 49ers now. Uh, Jordan, why don't you go off because you're you're a big Shanahan fan? Uh, yeah, I I think Shanahan's probably a he might be the third best coach in the league. Uh, he's definitely top five in my opinion. I love what he does on offense. So, um, I mean, people are concerned about Trey Lance, his accuracy, um, his consistency, but I think Shanahan's a good enough coach. He's gonna find ways to utilize him. I have him eleven and six, and then also they they they're very well coached, obviously. Um, and well-coached teams tend to have really good defenses and they also have a lot of talent on defense. So they're a nasty defense and then they're so creative on offense. Their run game is going to be absolutely unreal this year. Um, and then we mentioned all the schedules. I think they probably have the lightest schedule, uh, that I looked at. Obviously you have the divisional games, but they, they start off bears, Seahawks, Broncos, then they go Rams, then they go Panthers, Falcons. So, I mean, out of those games, they're probably going to be favored in, at least four, maybe five. I could see him starting the season five and one, and that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's interesting because their schedule has just a lot of good teams and a lot of bad teams. I, like, there's not a lot of just solid teams on their schedule. Um, you know, they go like later in the season, it's Commanders, yeah, um, Seahawks, then it's like the Bucks, and then it's the Cardinals, who you know always drop off at the end of the season, but who knows this year. 
Uh, so it's just going to be really interesting to see uh, what this team does this season. But I'm a big fan of the run game. I think Shanahan's going to be creative enough to where if Lance isn't as accurate, uh, like what you alluded to, Jordan, that they're going to find ways to utilize him in ways that to make him very, very effective. Their win total is set at 10 even. Um, and honestly, I would probably err on the side of the over here just because you're getting uh, you're getting a little insurance that if they get to 10 wins, it's a push. But, you know, I probably won't bet it. But if I had to take a side, I would take the over there. I would say the exact same thing. Um, but whenever Vegas does that, it, it is scary because it's like they want you to think that way. They want you to think, oh, if they get to 10, it pushes. Um, but like, yeah, it's just too close. And and I think Trey Lance is too much of a unpredictable player um, to bet on them getting over 10 wins. So I, yeah, I it's, say- it's a lot to bet on when it comes to just when it comes down to a second year quarterback who, you know, didn't really get the reps last year. Uh, Jimmy G's situation is just so unfortunate for the guy. I mean, he was, you know, people say he was getting groomed to be the next Brady and then got traded to the Niners and then just just has made the Super Bowl, made a Super Bowl. People like to forget that. He didn't make a Super Bowl, didn't win. But, but I mean, he's kind of the only downfall of that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they had a semi or just a little bit of a better quarterback, they'd probably win that game against the, yeah. the Chiefs because that, like, that was a close game. Uh, let's move on to the final team in this division who – I they're always an exciting team in my opinion the Cardinals but you know the Kyler Murray curse when it comes to COD like his production early in the season is unbelievable they'll start like six and zero and then COD will come out and then he'll just tank so I have them at nine and eight but you know again another team with a very very tough schedule D hop out for the first eight weeks sucks they lost Christian Kirk as well so they don't really have a ton of weapons or a ton of high powered weapons but I still think they can scrap to nine wins. Yeah, they have um I mean I'm a big fan of Kyler. I think he's an amazing football player. Uh James Conner seems like he's, you know, figured uh found a new home. So and then D Hop, I mean, he's out for the first eight, which really sucks, but I I have him going eight and nine. Uh I don't love this team. Like they're just they're too inconsistent and in in this division that's this tough, I, I don't like eight and a half. I would bet the under if I had to. Yeah, I would probably take the under two. I have them at nine, but honestly, I could see this team kind of falling apart. Um, whether it's early or late, I just see them falling apart at some point in the season. And, you know, getting to nine wins would be really, really tough for this team. I would probably lean under, but I still probably wouldn't take a side. So I think that leaves us with no squad rides in this division. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The one that, like, I don't feel strongly about any of these um the Niners I would but like I could be convinced but I wouldn't take it um the Cardinals I don't see getting to nine wins but I don't know I probably won't bet it anyways because we got more coming up yeah yeah we definitely have a lot uh already on the plate and I think is that our last division oh was it that might be our last division okay then maybe we don't have more coming up maybe we don't have more coming up uh we're gonna post a screenshot and a picture of all of our squad ride bets. I believe we have six on the table. We either have five or six. I think we have five, actually. I think we have five squad ride bets on win totals after breaking down each NFL division. I know Fig wanted to be here for this, so I'm I'm so sorry, Fig, but I know you're having a great time in, in New York City. So, um, yeah, but that's it. That's the show. I think that's a great segue. We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah. I think that's it. I think we're back. Five to one to Italy. So five will be doing this show from Italy. 
Oh yeah. It's going to be fucking nuts. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, we're back. We're happy to be back. We're happy to produce content. Make sure to follow us on all our socials. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. And Jordan, any final words? Follow the TikTok. Follow our TikTok. Follow the TikTok because I'm going to ch- chop up this fucking film. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube as well. But a lot of this video is going to be on TikTok. So make sure to go blow up the talks. Uh, and yeah, talk to you guys uh, next pod. Take care. Peace. Later.